Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Today's podcast, it's a day of outrage. Real concerning Maryland football, fake about the college playoff rankings, and then oh so real when Pat goes off on the war on Halloween. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. I'm Dan Wetzel here with Pat and Pete. It is post-playoff rankings on Tuesday night, which brings to the end a rather wild day in college football. It includes Urban Meyer revealing past brain surgeries. Maryland decided to bring back their athletic director and coach. And oh yeah, a Rutgers player was charged for plotting a double homicide. Holy hell. If we could just get back to the sweet, innocent days of TJ Gasnola and Brian Bowen's <laughs> <laughs> College athletics was just hearts and flowers and bag men. <laughs> yeah, it's gotten a lot worse since then. Oh, and uh, by the way, game of the year is Saturday at Baton Rouge. And uh, there's other elimination games and Lexington and Ann Arbor, so no big deal. Um, what do you want to talk about football for, Dan? Geez. We haven't yet this year. <laughs> I wish we could on a day like this because none of these stories are any good. No. I mean, there's just yeah. not any, <laughs> not much. Um, the only good part I hear is that Pat's uh, Halloween has has made Pat angry. So oh. <laughs> I, I like am... anything that makes Pat angry. So we'll get to that too. Yeah, you'll get, you'll get angry. So tonight. difficult. So so few things make Pat angry. Yeah. This is rare. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, Pat uh, never Haley's comet of events <laughs> never gets angry. Uh, let's start with these playoff rankings, though. Speaking of anger, I mean, these are dumb and designed to waste committee members time in Dallas. And it's about getting people to scream at each other about meaningless things. So idiots that we are. Let's take the bait and scream. <laughs> sure. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Clemson. Number three, LSU. Number four, Notre Dame. That's your playoff field right now. We're followed by Michigan, Georgia six, Oklahoma seven. Washington State is uh, eight. Kentucky's nine. Buckeyes are 10. uh, Central Florida, 12th. Uh, Let's start by focusing on the top four. Uh, Pat, any issues with uh, with these guys or the order? I, I'm a little surprised Notre Dame is four. I could have seen the case that Notre Dame was one, to be honest with you, but they're four. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame has a really, really good win against Michigan. Uh, and for that, for that and the lack of a loss, I would have put Notre Dame three, possibly even two, but I would have had them ahead of LSU. I'm not outraged that LSU's ahead of them. LSU's played a really good schedule. Uh, they beat the snot out of Georgia. They beat Mississippi State, which is 18th in the playoff rankings. Uh, their wins against Auburn and Miami, while those teams have slumped, those are still pretty good teams that they have beaten. Uh, and their loss is not a terrible loss at Florida. So, you know, they've played by hard, far the hardest schedule if you look at, like, the Sagarin rankings. Um, so, you know, that, I'm fine with that. I think other than that, you know, I, again, I would put Notre Dame ahead of them, but it's not a crime. Pete, any any issues nope. with this? No felonies from uh, our friend in Louisville. That's good. They've been cleared of cleared of all felonious activity. Uh, I it's hard for this this early in the rankings for me to get too juiced up because like LSU and Bama are going to kind of figure themselves out this weekend, right? So I, I'm not really going to look too closely at that because we're gonna you know that's gonna that's gonna play out in front of us. Uh, 
Notre Dame is in. I, I thought they might be three as well. Um, you know, but I am all for rewarding playing good teams. And so even though Miami has sort of turned into a, a emotionless Mark Richt lemon like we were used to seeing at the end of his Georgia tenure, like at least they went and they played Miami in a neutral site. Yeah. So good for LSU, good for them. You know, their crossover obviously was was Florida, which is their loss. But I'm I'm all I, I'm I'm a fan of intent, even if intent sometimes backfires, like it did with Oklahoma playing uh, playing UCLA. And I want to see aggressive out of conference scheduling rewarded because everyone wins when you do that. So you know, good for Notre Dame. They obviously always schedule tough. A couple of traditional powers turned into dogs on them, which which hasn't helped them. But no, there's nothing that really uh, grinds my gears uh, out of this uh, out of this initial first uh, flurry of rankings, sir. I'm trying to get angry. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, I mean, it, it all works out. It doesn't matter whether you're one or four. No. Play each other. Yeah. Um, Michigan five. Okay. Georgia six. Uh, they're still in it. Obviously, uh, you know, any of these guys kind of have a, a run here to make. Um, the biggest issue, the most intriguing item I see here in the top 10, other than Kentucky. I mean, take a picture, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. for sure take a selfie with the rankings yeah like the, ohio state's not throwing a parade for making the top 10 but kentucky <laughs> um no the most intriguing one here is washington state to me at eight no question straight they own a loss to usc who's four and four uh and that in the, in the little interview on there uh on the show they were actually praising that like wow that's a tough road loss I mean, is it a tough road loss? USC isn't any good, and the Coliseum is half full. Yeah, no, that's that's playing on on brand name and faded glory there, which uh, the committee's been known to do. Voters have always been known to do. Uh, <laughs> Wash USC's not very good, so yeah, tough to go down there and win. Yeah, yeah when like Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush are there, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ninety thousand are in the Coliseum, but now it's not. Uh, strength of schedule is sixty. The non-conference schedule is brutal, and I really think this is the intent thing Pete was talking about. San Jose State, Eastern Washington, Wyoming, and I believe they played Ed's Long Haul Truck Driving Academy. (laughs) Convenient campus located in downtown Yakima. Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't see that other thing. Anyway, uh, they are 7-1. They beat Utah. Uh, Can we we get outraged about this, if anything, here? I'm, I'm, I'm digging. I'm trying deep here. What do we got? Yeah, I mean, I'm not in love with Washington State there. Uh, I, you know, I've said basically they can't make it with one loss because they, A, this, the non-conference schedule stunk and the rest of the Pac-12 stinks. So they they were awarded a little bit more than I thought they would be. Uh, and I wonder, I mean, look, we can all wonder about where the influences come from in the room, but the, the head of the committee is at, is at Oregon and Washington state just beat Oregon. And I'm wondering if the head of the committee was dazzled by watching uh, the Cougars beat the ducks, Rob Mullins, that is, and maybe came in there, you know, full of Washington state love. But, you know, I think everybody brings a little bit of, of personal perspective to the matter. And hopefully that slowly gets weeded out as they get more serious with the rankings. Yeah, you really do see some alpha dogs. I always thought Alvarez was kind of the he was the alpha dog on that that original committee. I got to no brush up on who who they convinced to fly to Texas ten times in a row for this job. <laughs> yeah, do you remember when uh, Archie Archie Manning just quit because he's like exactly that's yes. like I'm not getting yeah, on a plane yeah. that that many weeks. No, I'm not why would it. why would anyone do this thing? This is the stupidest thing. You got to fly <laughs> down there, spend two days, go through this whole procedure, and then. And then put out a ranking that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I can see being on it once at the end. Yeah. They don't have video conferencing software? Yeah, right. No, they got to get down there. You know, you know, there's nothing college <laughs> athletics likes more than having meetings. <laughs> yes. But they do it yes. in Dallas. They don't even do it in their usual. I believe it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, 90% Scott of NCAA Stale. meetings have the word Palm <laughs> or Vista in it. <laughs> Ritz or Carlton. Yeah, yeah, they do have a very nice steakhouse in that Gaylord uh, Hotel where they stay. So that I think that might be the draw. No doubt, these guys are being well fed. They deserve it for this crap because I don't know why you'd <laughs> want to go down there. I mean, and I, you know, I get it. Like it sounds fun. Hey, you couple, yeah, you go down there, but after like seven weeks in a row, yeah, it's like yeah, I got. And these people have other things to do. I would think. 
You would think. Um, although, like, half of them, you know, could end up getting fired at their AD job. This is probably why how we get to the next story. Uh, and so let's... they have to get they have to book their reservations for the Orange Bull boat cruise. <laughs> yeah, the <No>. Fiesta. <laughs> Fiesta crew. No, the uh, what they call that? I Fiesta Frolic. The Fiesta Frolic. But then they had a name for that. That cruise, too. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. They're forcing the one on the, on the playoff thing. Central Florida is 12. I mean, I don't see a path for them to get up there. Uh, they've won a million games in a row, but you're not supposed to count last year. Uh, any any issue with 12 for the for the Knights? Either of you? No, not really. I mean, I said that they were the 12th likeliest team to make the playoff and you know what they're sitting right there so uh they just haven't played anybody i'm sorry and you know it's no no disrespect to them but they their strength of schedule from sagarin's 125 it's terrible and you know i'm sorry that the pittsburgh pittsburgh's not very good and they didn't get to play north carolina even though north carolina's not very good but their conference is not very good to teams they've played any yet they get better games to come there's still just not going to be enough there to get up there. I'm sorry. Yeah, the worst news for them, Nick Bromberg, our fine college football blogger, pointed this out tonight, is that Houston wasn't ranked. I was a little bit surprised by that. They had a good win against Arizona at home. They kind of smoked USF, uh, who was ranked last week. Their one loss is, I believe, was at Texas Tech, which is, you know, a decent, a decent forgivable loss. Right. Like, if you looked at some of the flotsam and jetsam that washed ashore at the bottom of that top 25, <laughs> you could have easily seen Houston in there with the with the dregs of the uh, ACC. Yeah. yeah, it was like ACC appreciation. Week at the was, bottom of yeah. that top 25. Yeah, like 19, 21, 22, 25 ACC. There you go. The huddled mass yeah. of mediocrity. Yes. <laughs> how many How many uh, coaches' bonuses were there? Because we made got ranked at yeah. some point. You kick another 2,500 to a guy. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, so that's it. We're outraged at Houston not cracking the top 25. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. This playoff chase better get a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's get to Maryland. Uh, this was uh, remarkable. Um, wow. Uh, last offseason, uh, player Jordan McNair passed away following a uh, workout. Um, the school, did they started investigating, but nothing really happened until ESPN did a report that looked into the so-called toxic culture of the program. Number of players off the record. Um clearly the players didn't feel the school cared enough so that you know they end up cooperating with espn to blow the whole lid off the place dj durkin the head coach gets put on leave at that point you figure he's done uh they come back with a 192 page report uh it shows all sorts of outrageous behavior some of it's stupid some of it's juvenile some of it's straight out of line um the school refused to call the culture there toxic, even though everything they described was toxic. Uh, they ruled the death was preventable. Um, uh, but then here we come. And uh, I don't know. I think everything in America these days is is deny, 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 and then play to your base. That's the, that's the play. And everyone's doing it. And today was play to the base, I guess, whoever your base is. I don't know what is there these DJ Durkin fanatics out there, but <laughs> James Brady, who is the chair of the Board of Regents, and the uh, Wallace Lowe, who's the College Park president, held a news conference. And hey, DJ Durkin is back, and so too is AD Damon Red Panties Evans, who <laughs> was deemed like one of the great athletic directors in America. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and lost his last job for getting a DUI with his fundraiser uh and uh he could not describe whose panties he was had between his legs to the officer. That cost him the George job. Hey, I'm all for I'm I, I'm not troubled by that the DUI part. Um but hey, he got a second chance and now he's getting a third, I guess. Strength coach is fired, but that's it. Uh look. This uh, this is the the single worst thing that could happen in college athletics kid died it was preventable it was unnecessary uh and i guess everything is cool um I, maryland is just a mixed messages uh this was here in, in bringing back brady and evans this is what we get one of the quotes from brady 
The athletic department lacked a culture of accountability, did not provide adequate oversight of the football program, and failed to provide Mr. Durkin with tools, resources, and guidance necessary to and support and educate a first-time head coach in a major football conference. This is from the guy who decided to keep these guys hired. Okay, so is the athletic director responsible for the lack of accountability and oversight? I'm, you know, like, just it's the athletic department. What is the department? And really, the problem was old DJ Durkin is just too inexperienced and weak and not capable without having somebody teach him how to do the job, even though we're paying him $2.5 million and he's a 40-year-old guy. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to leave it with offensive lineman Ellis McKinney, who uh, a number of players walked out of a meeting today. Uh, Ellis McKinney tw uh, tweeted this out. Every Saturday, my teammates and I have to kneel before the memorial of a far our fallen teammate. Yet a group of people who do not do not have the courage to hold anyone accountable for his death. If only they could have had the courage that Jordan had. It's never wrong to do what's right. Uh, in college athletics, it's always wrong to do what's right. Uh, this is a sad deal. I don't know, Pat. What what the hell? Yeah, I'm outraged. I am. I am really disgusted, um, shocked, quite frankly, that Maryland came to this uh, conclusion. Uh, you know, this kid was killed by the football program. I don't really know how else to parse it. The school admitted negligence in treating him after he went down in a pre in a football practice that was being orchestrated and run by a strength coach who comes off like an absolute sadist in this report for all the stuff he did to his players. And nobody's responsible. It's unbelievable. The strength coach goes, but he gets $315,000 on his way out the door. DJ Durkin, who had hired this guy to be his right-hand man, to be the extension of him, to be, you know, the hammer and the motivator and the, his eyes, when he couldn't be around, because that's who the strength guys are these days, uh, is fine. He keeps his job. It's just, it's a complete crock. It's, it's a, a miscarriage, in my opinion, of what should have been right, what should have been done. And quite frankly, the press conference was an embarrassment to Maryland. It was ridiculous. You get this imbecile up there, the head of the Board of Regents, who... It's all of a sudden, it's comedy night at the mic. It's unbelievable. He gets the microphone. The first thing he says, for those of you who haven't been keeping score at home, I'm James Brady. It's like, we're going to start off with a one-liner? It's unbelievable. Then at one point, he takes a drink of water and says, excuse me, I'm going to get my gin here. This is so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, a player died here. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe it's not so goddamn funny. This whole thing, it just drives me crazy. Uh, the the lack of accountability for this all for DJ Durkin, a ten and fifteen football coach. I, I if I were a Maryland graduate, I would be so embarrassed today. I can't say I can't disagree with Pat on that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll follow up by that by saying like th this is this is my takeaway. If June Jordan McNair dies, August the ESPN report comes out with the toxic culture. If you had said to me, what are the odds that after careful study, the results will be? that the president, AD, and coach all return, and that there's basically, other than paying the strength coach two-thirds of what he's owed, there will really be no significant repercussions other than a bunch of, like, jargonimimi, juk, like, oversight stuff that they, uh, they try to shove down our throats today. I just, like, it would be hard to imagine a scenario more mismanaged than how Maryland did this from, from, from wire complete to wire. Like, it was just, watching that press conference today was just stunning. I mean, Wallace Lowe, like, what a, what a portrait of inept leadership that was. And clearly, he didn't want to bring DJ Durkin back, as the Washington Post reported. So he goes up there like a third grader and doesn't mention his name. Like, did they rehearse that press conference? Did they consult any, like, pr professionals? I mean, this was this is a crisis situation with the death of a player. This is the first time in a generation all eyes of America are on the University of Maryland football program, and they just completely wire-to-wire -wire face-planted in such a display of ineptitude. It would If it wasn't so searingly sad because of the death of Jordan McNair, you would laugh. But I was just sitting there on the couch like, is this happening? There was no there was no order. There was no thought put to it. And I mean, the, the great line from uh, I will come Jim Brady was 
oh well this isn't going to happen a third time i was going to get to that, that line let me let me read like, that I, one. I was just like i was like at that point i was like is this really happening and then you have wallace Lowe giving us a three-hour tour of bad shipwreck analogies um <laughs> and it was just like man like people actually sat around and came up with a plan that resulted in this like this speech was read and vetted and these speeches and answers were read and vetted um yeah, the, the fact that all three of them are back and there's essentially been no accountability put forth. My, my only theory to this is that Maryland is so broke and so broke in that they couldn't afford literally to pay Durkin's five million on his buyout and then risk him suing them for, for wrongful termination because in, the, in the, they, they did not have a reason to fire him for cause. So if you fire him anyway, after like hanging him on the clothesline for whatever how many months— you, you open yourself up to a lawsuit, which they can't afford. They're 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 a train wreck financially. That's the only reason why they joined the Big Ten where they don't belong in the first place. And so they probably couldn't afford to get rid of Damon because they the, the 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 most unbelievable move in all this was that Wallace Lowe promoted Damon Evans one week after Jordan McNair died from interim to regular. Forget me too. Forget let's just maybe investigate how this kid died. They push David Evans on up. So I'd imagine he's got about the same as DJ Durkin to buy out too, because he was making, I believe somewhere around $750,000 and, and, you know, a similar length deal. So I just basically think they turtled at this and, 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 and here we are, but like, don't underestimate money as a driver in all this because just Maryland doesn't get big 10 money until 2021, 2020, 2021. And they're just in a financial abyss right now. And, and I feel like, Bringing DJ Durkin back isn't actually doing him a favor because because he has two years left on his deal. No Power 5 coach has two years left on his deal. If you think people are outraged today, imagine when you have to give him a contract extension if you have some prayer of his term as head coach working. Yeah, I mean, how do you recruit? <laughs> how do you hire coaches? I mean, look, sometimes something happens and you just have to get fired. I mean, it's enough, I mean a guy died. I mean, this was a quote from James Brady. You alluded to it. There will be no third chance for anyone to get this right. Oh, okay. So if another kid dies, you're letting us know. That will be, I mean. That's where we draw the line at Maryland, baby. Two deaths and you're out. Don't worry, guys. If another kid dies, we're totally firing all these guys. What? I I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I watched this with college sports. I, I, I'm going to open this crisis management thing someday. <laughs> These are, have to be smart people, right? <laughs> you like, would think. I, think Maryland, I know you call them an imbecile, but you know, I don't know who, I don't know. How do you get to, I mean, these are university presidents. They're learned people. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Ah, uh, you know, uh, there was, we, this guy needed some training. He needs some on the job training. <laughs> what? To not have, not to have your strength coach run a kid to death. Yeah. Like right. in a, this is the big 10. It's a lot of, it's a big time. Oh, no, it's God. a big time at high school. Okay? Yeah. Like, DJ Durkin's not... 40 years old. He's not 22. You know, he's, he, he, he's been around college yeah. football. He was a sister well, for Urban Meyer and Jim Harbaugh. Well, how about the booster who blamed Jordan McNair a couple weeks ago for not drinking water? Oh, I that know. was my favorite yeah, in all no, this. Yeah. That, was, yeah. that, was, that one was just like, well, if Jordan had just drank the water, we wouldn't be in this situation. Okay, pal. Like, that's that's you got some real emotional intelligence there. I just, I, I just don't. I just don't possibly understand how they come up with these things. Oh, no third chance. Oh, thanks, dude. And yeah, the flippancy of this thing. Yeah. I mean, a kid died. I don't think anyone meant to kill him. Clearly, but he died. And yeah. and at some point, someone can be held responsible. It's not like an accident. It's no. like there were failures. You admitted it. I, I, I just don't. I don't get it. I don't know. They probably broke. Nobody gives a crap. No one ever is going to do the right thing. No one ever just sits in. You know what? Man, a kid died on my watch. I'm going to resign. Yeah. Like, I can't right. do this. No. Um, never dawns on any of these guys. It's all like, yeah, well, that's all right. I mean, Maryland football will be awful for the next two years. The players are revolting. Ain't no one going to go there. No. And they're basically like, yeah, we're just going to stink. But we can't afford to get rid of the coach because the big, you know, the Big Ten bought a, a bag of beans bringing these guys in. You know, they want their cable. They want their cable money. Yeah, well, sure. Everyone's cutting the cord. Brought five in years. A... You, five years, you're not going to have any cable money, and you're going to have Maryland. Yeah. 
And you're going to have Rutgers. And Rutgers. Speaking of which. Yeah. Let's, I, 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 we can keep going on this one. In case the day wasn't <laughs> ludicrous Rutgers. enough. Yeah. How's this for a, a lead from cool. NJ.com? A linebacker on the Rutgers University football team was accused Tuesday of involvement in a plot to murder two family member, two members of a friend's family. Azia Bullock, 22, a junior, faces two counts of first-degree attempted murder and two counts of first-degree conspiracy to commit murder. He was dismissed from the Rutgers team on Tuesday. Well, at least we got that. Imagine that. Rutgers coach Chris Ash, through a spokesman, declined comment. I would, yeah. Um, I mean, look, no one knowingly recruits a murderer. And thankfully, I guess we can laugh a little about this because... It was arrested in the alleged plotting, so no one got hurt. Right. Rutgers can't even pull off this. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, <laughs> Moving on. I don't, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <sighs> <laughs> Nobody got killed. Thankfully. <laughs> Did you get that line from like Wallace Lowe's PR company? Toons is the driving uh, cat incorporated. Good times. At least Rutgers took over the mantle as most <laughs> horrifying. Uh, actually, this isn't as horrifying. This is one player. This isn't like the school being like, yeah, well, at least you don't do it again. Uh, three strikes right. and you're out on this one. Yeah. But I mean, look, obviously, incredibly serious. We're talking about death of a player and murder, attempted murder. And those are the two schools. Conspiracy. That the Big Ten conspiracy. conspiracy. They didn't conspiracy. even attempt the murder. It was a conspiracy. He got faces two counts of first degree attempted murder and two counts of first degree conspiracy to commit murder. So well, I don't I don't that's true. I didn't think he tried to kill him. That's the the, the NJ.com story I'm reading here. Well, but, all right. Anyway, but we'll point is beyond you know, the much less serious uh problems of the fact that Rutgers is an atrocious football and athletic program. And Maryland has been a train wreck. You get these things on top of it. And these are the two schools they went in, went out and got. And they have been nothing but serial embarrassments for the conference since they got in there. It's astounding. It's like you couldn't draw up a bigger, you know, like succession of events to just embarrass the conference and what these two schools have done. They are terrible embarrassments, but they do. I mean, we're talking about a, a school with uh, sure. a, a conference with uh, Jerry Sandusky. Uh, you get the Ohio State, Larry Nasser. I mean, there's been some horrible stuff. It's not like anyone else. The league isn't exactly just floating through there. Uh, but I will say this again. They got taken for cable money and cable TV's drying up. I, I, I think one day they vote these guys out. I really do. I think I think this whole conference expansion thing, it's like, what do we got these guys for? It was a short-term money grab, but they made this long-term decision, and they're sitting there going, oh, you know, I don't think they did any research. They thought these guys would get in line. No. I don't think either of these schools know what they're doing. Is there, there's a reason they're – Maryland's had its moments of different things. Rutgers has never, ever been good. Like, it, it's never been good at football. It's never been good. And I know, yeah, oh, Shiano got like eight – I mean, that was – he did what you could do, but these schools have always been dysfunctional. I, I, I'll give you a, a story once. I I remember thinking this was indicative of Rutgers. I had this job. This is a long time ago, but I had this job. They were doing these, we were doing these preseason like yearbooks for different schools, and uh, I got hired to write like preview stories. This was basketball basketball stories, and so you'd write a story on the. The, the head men's coach and then one on the head women coach and the, the best men's player and then the best women's player, right? And pretty simple stuff, four stories. And Rutgers decided that due to uh, Title IX, they wanted me to write a story incorporating both coaches in the same story and both <laughs> players. So <laughs> I had to write this story like, here's the point guard for the women's team and here's the power forward for the men's team and neither one of them even know each other. But how do you write this <laughs> It's the stupidest story ever. And I remember being like, man, is this place dysfunctional? And I was arguing with like who say we're well oiled liaison at the school. Like, well, that's how we want it done. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, yeah, we haven't even talked about Mike Rice or the football probation or any of that crap. That's yeah, right. Oh, yeah, we had that. Do you want to complete the Big Ten debacle swing and talk about Urban Meyer's brain surgery first? Oh, I or? forgot about that one. Yeah. I mean, 
while the conference is falling apart. All year we've been saying Urban looks stressed and pained on the sideline during games, whether it's wins or losses. Uh, and a lot of speculation the last two weeks, and it's really pure speculation, that Meyer might not stay after the season. Uh, that kind of stems from the way he left Florida. So, you know, you know, but I, there's nothing to that necessarily. Uh, clearly trying to quell it. Meyer met with lots of media to reveal his health and detailed his issues. Uh, Pete, you spoke to Urban Meyer. Uh, what did you learn? What did he tell you? Well, basically, he obviously fell to a knee on the sideline during that Indiana game on October 6th, Dan. And pretty much from that point on, there's been a whirlwind of speculation of whether or not he's going to step down, whether he's going to retire. And I mean, you guys have said it. Kirk Herbstreit said it. Everybody said it. He does not look well on the sideline. He's been in sort of a surrender Cobra palms on temple mode for, uh, for, for a lot of these games. And uh, basically he just wanted to get out there that he's had uh, a congenital cyst in his brain, not on it, in it um, since 1998. And, it has flared up at different times, causing him severe headache. Obviously, you got a cyst in your brain. It's not a, it's not a pleasant thing. And in 14, in March, he had brain surgery. Like, they drilled in there and drained this cyst. And so since that time, through medicine and monitoring, he's managed that pain. And it is it has flared up to, uh, you know, the, the the doctor that I, I went back and forth with called it aggressive headaches um, and he's and he's had medical attention so he just kind of wanted to make people aware like this is what I'm going through I have gone through it before and he plans to continue to again monitor and medicate do you think issue. he coaches there next year I think as of right now he does but I do think this is a this is a variable that is that is looming over him because it's obviously you know this is a guy with kids and a grandkid and you know who's had who's had some health ailments before in his past so um yes but as of right now i do yeah i mean look we want urban meyer well and the coach he's got enough money and uh it's a stressful job so i can't even imagine trying to do this with the aggressive headaches but pat what do you think you think this was uh, you know i'm gonna put it out there try to keep the recruiting class together kind of thing i mean like he clearly was worried about it and it's unfortunate someone has to detail their medical history if they don't want to but do you think he's back yeah um i don't know i'm gonna be wait and see on that you know i mean i know he said what he said yes today and that might be his intent but i think it sounds like one of those things it's going to be wait and see you know how do you feel at the end of the year how do you feel in spring how do you feel next august even you know i mean if, if this is going to be the kind of thing where it's a constant pain and pressure and and you're trying to deal with it, maybe you don't want, you don't want to deal with it. Um, not sure. I'll blame somebody who has enough money to retire, you know, yesterday or 10 years ago, if they did, um, if it's a choice between living happily and not living happily. So I, 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 I'll be waiting to see on it. That is what I'm going to say. I just, and you, you know, urban has been very melodramatic throughout his career. This doesn't sound like it's melodrama. This sounds like it's legitimate medical situation, but uh, well, it's, just, it's just one more thing, really, that he's uh, one more ride on the, the urban wheel, I guess, of something going on. Yeah. Unfortunate, unfortunate situation there. All right. Back to the Bama LSU. Uh, you guys can make your picks and race for the case later this week. But why don't you give me a key, you think, for each team uh, in this game? We can start with you, Pat. Yeah, I wrote a bunch about it in the dash. Uh, I gave eight way eight things. LSU needs to do to win. Uh, I don't expect them to be able to do all eight. I don't expect them to win. But if they can, I'll give you just a very brief overview of them. Uh, first thing, if you win the toss, take the ball because it's one fewer possession that your star linebacker, Devin White, will, White will be out. He's out for the first uh, half of the game because of a targeting infraction. And Alabama scores every time they get the ball first. So if you don't want to fall behind seven to nothing, then – don't give Alabama the ball first. <laughs> That's simple. Uh, secondly, I won't go through all eight of them, but thank you. The, the, <laughs> the, LS, <laughs> the, the LSU secondary is the best in college football. The Alabama receiving core is the best in college football. The Alabama quarterback is the best in college football. So I can't wait for that matchup. 
LSU secondary has got to win the matchup against those Alabama receivers for Alabama to be able to win the game. I don't think they can do it, but it should be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you were talking a bunch of first-round guys out there uh, going at each other. That's going to be awesome. It's going to be great stuff. Pete, what do you think the key is for, for LSU to spring this? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna defer. I'm doing a coach breakdown of this game early in the week. I've talked to a couple guys, including Arkansas State coach Blake Anderson, who uh, was on the business end of a shellacking from Alabama earlier in the year. Blake's been around as assistant at a lot of places, uh, long-time, uh, long-time coach. He's in, his, he's in his early 50s. And he called the Tide physically the most complete team I've seen in my career which I thought was, oh, okay, that's that's something. He basically gushed over and over and over, and he, he said basically if LSU is going to have a chance, they would have to try to get mismatches with their quick guys versus LSU's big guys, and that was one of the w- very few ways that Arkansas State – was able to was able to move the ball, but uh, he he gushed about the way their secondary covered ground and basically was about as hyperbolic as it could be, and he cited two as the difference, two a two and two a. He's basically said that Alabama's never had that element to them, and that was what really blew him away. So, All right, we'll, we'll give you a little 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 Blake Anderson to tease some uh, Yahoo Sports content later. In there the you week. go. There you go. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, all right, so that is uh, – I mean, it's going to be a great game. So um, we could – Which more. fan base drinks more? I thought that would be more of a, more in line of what you are going to ask, Dan. LSU. LSU yeah. drinks more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's not even a discussion. Nah, no. Man. no. Solid favorite Sorry. there. Two touchdowns like saying, who's favorite got, in the drinking. Who's got the better quarterback in the game? I mean, you just don't <laughs> – I mean, come on. We're not <laughs> – Listen, we tried to invent a bunch of debate points off these playoff rankings, but I can't go this. I can't fake it. So so much I can fake. Alabama guy goes to Louisiana and gets so trashed, he ends up getting arrested for teabagging somebody in a in a crystal on Bourbon Street. The LSU fans drink that much and still keep their act together. That's just yeah, the LSU fans are pros in the, on that level. Or, yeah. Who yeah. was it? An old Miss fan that uh, accidentally took the Uber home from like the P- the the Chick Fil A bowl, and it was oh, like yeah. five like, five hundred five hundred eighty three dollars. Yeah, yeah. Amateur like LSU yeah. fan would never do that. No, nah, LSU right. fan doesn't just laughs. <laughs> yeah. This is Mississippi guy. That's nothing. No. <laughs> All right, it's uh, tonight. We're doing this podcast. Uh, you should be listening to it on Halloween or just after Halloween. Uh, my kids and I just carved up some pumpkins. I even toasted the seeds. It's like damn Norman Rockwell around here. <laughs> you toasted the seeds personally? Yeah, personally. Hey, toasted pumpkin that? seeds are really good. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble seeing you doing it. I can do it. I can do it. Sipping a Fiji, toasting some pumpkin seeds. Good beat. Good beat night. Bobby Flay, the- baby. Beat Bobby <laughs> Flay. I can do it. Toasted them. Uh, anyway, um, I remain a fan of moving Halloween off of the weekdays into the final Saturday of October. Better for the kids, better for the parents, more importantly. Uh, these weeknight ones are tough, but I think my complaint uh, is, is, oh, I think it's hundred percent justified, but, uh, I think Pat has even a bigger issue, right? Pat, Pat, please do tell what has made you upset this Halloween. I am appalled at the war on Halloween in Louisville, Kentucky. This is this is a crisis. It's unbelievable what has happened here, what has transpired. Because everybody looks at their little weather app and sees that it's supposed to rain on Halloween. Our neighborhood, our little quote-unquote city, gets together and says, we're moving Halloween, we're moving trick-or-treating to Tuesday because Tuesday's going to be nice and Wednesday's going to be rainy. And a bunch of other little towns or little neighborhoods did the same thing. And I think parents suck. I think it is the biggest <laughs> parental micromanaging intrusion for no reason other than we got to keep little Johnny dry and happy. And we got to keep mom and dad dry and happy because God almighty, if somebody steps in the puddle, they're going to die. I wanted to sit on the porch. My wife is too nice and a good neighbor. So she gave out candy, but I wanted to sit on the porch and just say, no, sorry, you want candy? Come back on Halloween. It's not Halloween, okay? 
Because here's where this thing is headed, Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel. I picture like a seven-year-old girl cowering in like a Cinderella costume as Pat. I hope they egg your house. (laughs) (laughs) Now we handed out the damn candy. We did it. I didn't. My wife did. She's nice. But here's where this is heading. Next year, they're going to call a city council meeting and everybody can show up with their phones and check their weather apps and say, well, on October 29th, it's going to be 55 and mild. So let's do it then. Well, wait a minute. We got dance recital then. How about on the on the October 30th? Now we got soccer. Oh, okay. Well, how about you guys over there? And we're going to find where a day where it's five degrees warmer and we're going to have Halloween then just so everybody's comfortable and the micromanaging parents are happy. Yay. So this, by the way, is Louisville, Kentucky. When I was there for the Derby this year, driving through suburban neighborhoods, there were these vote no on Top Golf signs. <laughs> Top Golf was an issue that had clearly driven through the heart of Louisville to a point where I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, why is everyone so against Top Golf? It's kind of fun. But no, this was like Blue State, Red State, Roe versus Wade. This had this had Louisville split dead down the middle. So it is Wedge clearly. Issue. Please, uh, please update us that, on that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pat. Top I, golf? I, top guys, golf. The whole city's built on debauchery whole- <laughs> and bootlegging. And- yeah. They're going to pay their new football coach in bourbon and horses. One of the leafy suburbs with the nice houses didn't want it near them because the lights would bother them. And so they tried to stop it. And thankfully, it appears it's not going to work. But it's six months later, we're still talking about it. It's the most stupid thing of all time. <laughs> These are the same wow. people. I guarantee it. The anti-top golfers <laughs> are the ones that wanted Halloween tonight. <laughs> same people. I believe that. I believe that. So did you give out crap candy or did you get the good candy at <laughs> no, least? I'm I mean, like, again, I would. Look, my wife runs the show around here. She got good candy. If it were up to me, I would have forgotten to get any candy. I would have been handing out like, you know, salt shakers or something. Yeah. Cheese graters. Cheese graters. There you Cheese go. graters. God knows what what's good candy. Give us a little color from uh, the uh, forty residents. Reese's cups, almond joy, Ooh. Hershey's. Ooh, those are good. Yeah, Twix. Kids don't like almond joy. <laughs> little kids. I, oh, you know what? One little. Kid That's like that the refined the taste of Halloween candies. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Fiji I, water of Halloween candy. <laughs> from my protest spot on the couch, I heard one girl exclaim with joy that she got an almond joy. So yeah, coconut. Right. Kids can Keep like an coconut. eye on her. Keep an eye on her. <laughs> my my dad has been in it lived in the same house for like 40 uh i don't know five years like 400 years who knows and uh i told him when whenever he's finally going to sell this thing that the last halloween he has to give out the big bars right oh yeah and right. then whoever buys it the next year that guy gets totally screwed <laughs> when the kids show up because that word will get around the neighborhood oh, there'll yeah. be there'll be a line around the block and then he'll hand out some dinky little Reese cup, and then he's getting egged. I mean, they're just gonna get after him. Whole, where's that old guy? Yeah, the old guy was nice. He, he had the good candy. king size <laughs> Snickers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, there you go, Pat. I hope you can uh, overcome this and know, uh, see fit. To, yeah, I, I I agree. Moving it uh, is uh, ridiculous. No, because of rain. Come on. Why don't they just do it on the Saturday? It's so much easier. Then you can have parties. You can hang out. It's just so much better. Then there's always like the one family, like their kids can't celebrate it because it's like pagan or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. Worst they parents worship. ever. They have a like, worship. Hey, we, we don't celebrate that. They bring out the devil. Like mm. <laughs> that kid sitting at school just angry because everyone else got candy <laughs> the next day. All right. That kid's eating kale. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we uh, close with an interview between Pete and uh, Brett Anderson, the New Orleans area food critic. So anyone who's in the area going to the Bam LSU game can ring up a massive uh, tab the night before the game like Pat is most certainly going to do. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, he's you're probably not an expense report like him, but, you know, go for it. <laughs> the Verizon uh, executives have been warned. Verizon, yeah. <laughs> Pat's out in the loose in New Orleans. <laughs> anyway, here is the uh, the interview with Pete and uh, Brett. Brett, thanks for joining the Yahoo College podcast. Uh, our goal for this uh, podcast is uh, that Louisiana, Baton Rouge specifically, uh, but 
mostly New Orleans we're going to focus on because that's where people usually come in for LSU games and, and, and drive over, is going to become a little bit of the center of the college football uh, universe. Uh, specifically November 3rd, LSU hosts Alabama, and that will be a likely clash of at least top 10 type teams. This will be Alabama's biggest test of this season. It will be every every college football season kind of has the game. And this is at least building up to be that game, which means there's going to be a ton of Alabama fans, LSU fans pouring in from out of town. It's in New Orleans. There's going to be a ton of national media, and there's just going to be a ton of people who like a good party, and there's always a good party around a good LSU-Alabama game, even if it ends 9-6. So <laughs> let's start with this neighborhood where we're sitting here at Hotel Peter and Paul. This is sort of a, an, an interesting neighborhood to me because of its history and recent transition. Why don't we start here, and then we'll go to sort of – obviously, you do a lot of the best lists, and we'll tweet some of those out for my followers so they can see – you know that. The, the 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 new restaurants, the hot restaurants, the hot chefs. Brett and I have a similar job. I have to write like the hot Mac coaches who are going to get hired. He has to write like the hot chefs from uh, the different restaurants that are rising. It's sort of uh, uh, our, our journalistic common ground. But l- let's start here in this in what's around here in this neighborhood where Hotel Peter and Paul is, and then move move out to the to the greater city. Sure. Um, well, just to tell your listeners a little bit about the Marigny, the neighborhood that we're in, it's an, it's the neighborhood that's just downriver from the French Quarter. This is actually where I've lived all 18 years that I've been in New Orleans. And um, in the last seven, eight years, it's actually gone through quite a few drastic changes. It's gentrified a lot. Um, it's often lumped together with the neighborhood that's adjacent to us, Bywater, Marigny and Bywater. And um, the there are, you know, there's been a lot of, of uh, of activity in terms of new restaurant openings and bar openings down here, and there's also you know a lot of legacy businesses that have always you know sort of defined the the, the character of these neighborhoods. You know, Frenchman Street is a big place where people go out. I mean, it's sort of almost like an alternative to Bourbon Street, but don't think of it. The crowds can be that much, but it is not. It's it's not a strip club strip. You know, no no beads. No, it's it's a music street and live music street and and there's still a a really great place to go see live new orleans music at clubs like dba um snug harbor is the old jazz club here if you're into traditional jazz and the spotted cat um places like this there's also a great old um italian creole they call it creole italian here in new orleans the um which is basically red sauce italian as you know it but with with a lot of gulf seafood <laughs> in it and uh adolfo's is a is a fantastic old sort of bohemian marini holdout that does really good red sauce creole italian cooking um in terms of sort of newer places in this neighborhood there's a, a place called paladar 511 that i really like which is um what we think of as more of a modern uh, Italian restaurant, even though they're using, you know, inspired by, you know, ancient cuisine. I mean, not ancient, but, you know, the way they've been cooked for hundreds of years, but in a different style that we're used to seeing in New Orleans. And, and I think that's a great place. It's built inside an old warehouse that, of course, has condominiums on top of it and in like a lot of places around here. But I, I really highly recommend it. And there's also um, Bywater American Bistro is owned by a woman, um, a chef, Nina Compton, or co-owned by her and her husband, Larry. And she's one of the better real sort of shining stars here in New Orleans who's emerged in the last four or five years. Um, She's a woman that was born and raised in St. Lucia in the Caribbean and really kind of cooks through that prism. Uh, And Compare Le Pen, which is her flagship restaurant, is absolutely one of the best in New Orleans in my estimation. Um, Bywater American Bistro is her second restaurant. It's within five blocks from where we are right now. Bacchanal is also a place I, I highly recommend to people. Um, it's it's a place that's built inside an old, um, well, not an old, but an old building, <laughs> a very old building that 18 years ago um, was turned into a wine store back when it was hard to imagine anyone buying at least, you know, pedigreed wine in that area. Um, <laughs> and he, um, and that has now over time evolved into a restaurant as well. And it's a great place to go see live music. They have live jazz. They're outside sitting on a back patio. Um, it's a very idiosyncratic place. You order at a window and then the food comes to you at what are generally plastic tables. But um, I think if you, if you've ever been there or if you go there, like you'll understand that it's something special. Um, the last place I'd mentioned in this neighborhood um, that I 
think that your, your, your listeners would be interested in is called N7, which is the letter N, the letter 7, or the number 7. And it's a, it's a bar and cafe that's sort of built where there was, I believe, an old auto repair shop or a tire shop. And like if you take an Uber or a cab there, when you pull up to the address, you're going to look around and wonder where it is. It's behind this, this gate. And you walk back, and it's this idyllic... Um, you know, French restaurant with great natural wines and cocktails, and um, it's a great place to sit outside, particularly this time of year in New Orleans. It's very nice outside, and um, and drink wine and get a little snack. All right. Well, I'm going to throw in my little two cents here. Obviously, I'm like the the, the peasant, and uh, Brett is the expert here. I have been to Bacchanal, and I, I just think it's fantastic. Uh, there's been a couple times when either Final Fours or Sugar Bowls or National Title Games have been in New Orleans, and it, I found it a great place to go with a group. You know, you sit outside, especially because like the, the weather's going to be in November, probably still pretty pretty nice here, and uh, yeah, just a just a fan. It's like an experience almost more than uh, more than a restaurant, and. I would say this about Frenchman Street from my, I've probably been in New Orleans 25 times now over the course of my life. Like, if you don't want like that, like crazy bourbon street, just like total assault on the senses, but you want to go have a good time and see live music and get a sense of the cultural, I think that's like the perfect and easy alternative for multiple places in one, you know, you don't have to get in a cab every time you want to get a different vibe, right? Like you can get, you walk next door, you can walk across the street. So there's that, that, um, you know, there's that density of clubs down there, and they are. It's it's a it's a music focused street. Um, you know, when I moved to New Orleans in 2000, that was not. There was nothing, hardly anything. I mean, I, it, it's not right to say there was nothing down there, but it was not what it is right now. Um, and it ha- it is kind of a modern phenomenon by the standards of New Orleans. You know, calling it modern. Um, th- in which that that has sort of taken off as a destination for visitors. And I think it's a great thing. I mean, I, I, I've some of the best live music I've ever seen has been around there. Go to NOLA.com, go to at Brett Eats, and uh, go, Gophers. go Gophers, <laughs> row the boat, eat and drink your hearts out, uh, LSU, Alabama, and SEC fan. All right, good stuff there. I am hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry. I, I enjoyed his uh, his his notion that all sports writers eat at Giacomo's in New Orleans, which is kind of true. It is a know? popular place for the sports writers, although yeah. you, it does get us out of our natural habitat, which is the lobby bar at the Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's just a condensed version. You should check out the full interview on our YouTube channel. Yeah, we got a YouTube channel. Figure that. Just go to YouTube.com slash Yahoo Sports. Click on the podcast playlist. And so uh, subscribe to that YouTube channel, too. Subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review. And uh, more football and race the case later this week. Epic week. Big, big week in football. But uh, everything else happened. So uh, we didn't quite get to all the games. But appreciate you listening. We will talk to you guys soon.